0: Did she really do that? You betcha she did. And welcome back to another episode of You Betcha She Did, the podcast where female leaders, changemakers, and entrepreneurs, especially from Wisconsin, share their wit and wisdom. I am your host, Raina Rokiki. Here today, I have Deanne Herber, and she was born in Sheboygan but grew up in Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Now, she joined the Air Force after high school, and that started a journey of approximately 25 moves within the U.S. and Latin America. That is a lot of moving around. I think anybody who knows who's moved once knows how much work that is. Um, Deanne has worked in many different industries, but volunteerism and service have always been hallmarks of her contribution in each community that she's lived in. In 2021, Deanne relocated to Sheboygan from Northern Virginia and joined Lakeland University's uh, Kellett School as the executive assistant to the dean. She launched... Her business, Kids in Combat Boots, in 2022 as an initiative to recognize the contributions of service-connected children. Kids in Combat Boots took off very quickly and was named judge and fan favorite at the 2023 Milwaukee Tech Hub Form Incubator Showcase. It also received recognition as a Phase 3 finalist at the Wisconsin Governor's Business Plan Contest and was awarded a $10,000 startup grant through the Sheboygan Economic Development Corporation's scale pitch competition. Now, that is a lot of excitement um, for one business to handle. So, Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here as well. So, for our listeners who aren't familiar um, with Kids in Combat Boots, let's dive into that, that whole initiative, including the podcast. And in particular, could you talk to us about, you know, what is it about the life of kids Uh, With parents in the military, that makes their experience different from non-military parent kids.
1: Oh, it's been... So for us, the journey to this business idea started during COVID. My daughters, both who are adult, one was joining the military herself, one was um, joining the collegiate scene. Both had to come home for a year, and it was the year in which my husband and I separated, and I had moved into an apartment. So I had all four kids in a two-bedroom apartment in Northern Virginia, and that sounds horrible and 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 tight, and it was tight, but it wasn't horrible. It gave us this really good opportunity to connect and talk to each other, which we did a lot of um, during the lockdown. And through all that, we we started kind of revisiting our experiences and the things that shaped us as a family. And what was surprising as we dug into these things is how different of an experience and an, and of an interpretation that my kids had than I had or that I thought they were having. So we just kept talking and laughing and, and, sh- you know, crying, sharing the joys, the pains and all of that as, as my two girls grew up in as military children. Um, the podcast started kind of as a joke. We we didn't take it super seriously. We thought, you know, we're kind of funny. This would be great to talk about some of our unique experiences in a different platform and kind of, you know, do the friends and family thing and have people listen. Um, friends and family did listen. And other people started listening too. And that was super exciting and unexpected. But we soon had a global audience. Other kids and families were tuning in. But what was really surprising to us is the feedback we were getting was from parents and thanking us for opening kind of a door to these conversations, to shedding a light on, you know, some of the things that are exclusive to that community. Um, Yeah. Can you give us an example of that? Like maybe what's one of the
0: memory stories that you guys talked about on the podcast, Kids in Combat Boots?
1: Yeah. So one of our, one of my favorite stories anyway, was during one of our moves. And again, we've moved so many times. Our possessions are lean. We we don't keep a lot of extra things because you're, you got so <laughs> to keep moving it. You're, you're, you're coming in with weight requirements and things like that. And one of, we had an eclectic collection of bowls at one point that we had just kind of, you know, pieced together. And one of them was a, a, handmade bowl that we got a charity function. But we would argue over who got to use it for cereal because it was just this great shape. It was it was just a fun bowl. Well it broke during one of the moves. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, was so distraught because it was just something it was ours. It was it was that consistent thing that came with us from home to home. And now it didn't exist anymore. So this was borderline traumatizing for her because she lost something that
0: kind of meant home.
1: So, and and when you don't have that many belongings or that, you know, you don't have a closet full of mementos, those little things do become really important. So it was those kind of things that people could identify with and say, oh my gosh, I remember when we lost or our box went missing for three years. Like these things really yeah, three years so is a long time. <laughs> yes, it is. And and you sometimes have a storage unit. You know, when you go overseas, you have a storage unit back home. And what's in it? People forget. So it's just it's very interesting. It was an interesting conversation, and it was one that resonated with a lot of people. I can relate only as
0: in a small way in that I used to teach overseas, and we'd go back and forth between the United States and Nigeria every year. And yeah, you really had to pick and choose what you, you know, what could fit in those eight suitcases and what was essential to bringing and not bringing. And, uh, you know, the one positive is you don't become attached to material possessions that much more, just like your memories and the people. So that, that part I really like, because you're like, I don't need all this other stuff. Like, it doesn't really matter. There might be, yeah like you said, one or two special bowls <laughs> or things that um you hold dear. But besides that, yeah, you just kind of let that
1: stuff go. Yeah. We've always contended that home is where our people are. And we did an episode on that too. You know, when you move and you live somewhere that's new and foreign to you and that doesn't, I mean, it can be a different state, a different country. When people from home, when your family, when you're really close friends, when they come to visit you, that means so much to, to share that piece of our life with, with people close, with other people close to us. It, just building that community and the people who choose to be in your life when you're in a lifestyle that requires so much of your family is just, it's an incredible thing.
0: Yeah. one I agree. 100%. So let's backtrack a little bit. Talk to us. We talked a little bit about the podcast. Now let's talk about the initiative Kids in Combat Boots. Like, What is what is your goal with Kids in Combat Boots? What would you like to accomplish?
1: So coming out of the podcast and all the feedback we were getting there My daughters and I sat down and we thought, you know, there's a way that we can quantify maybe the experiences of military kids. So we started doing some market research. What what were the differentiators? What made military kids unique? Not just the lifestyle, but what really were, what were they doing? And what do families see and what do they want? And what we found was that our military community, Volunteers at a rate that's about 30% higher than the general population. They're much more civically engaged. The kids themselves are, do these things. They're, they are very well versed and adept at at adapting to new communities. Um, They're great at making friends. They have a global perspective. They have all these really good attributes Mm -hmm. that sometimes aren't recognized or able to talk about when they go and move on to things like college and life outside of the military or life as young adults. So how do we develop a program that gives them a community and connection and actual credit for what they're already doing and what their contribution is? And that's how we we came up with the idea of Kids in Combat Boots. And that recognition program, basically, we're not asking them to do more. We're asking them to tell us about what they're already doing. So we can take those stories and then tell a broader audience a more complete picture of what it means to serve our country. Who, who is doing what work? Because it's a family commitment. It is not just our soldiers and airmen who are, who are doing things. The family is really involved. And we wanted to give more credit and resources to military children specifically.
0: That makes sense when you hear about, like you said, all the behind the scenes things that happen. Um, I love the civic minded aspect of it. It's like that should be recognized. Now, your idea for Kids in Combat Boots really took off. What do you think helped this
1: happen? It did. I I think it's a feel good program, for for lack of a better term. It's of the people we've spoken to and we've been able to work with as a result of all the places we've pitched and networked, we have a community that recognizes a need for this program. They recognize that our military kids go above and beyond of what we ask. You know, well, we're not asking them. We're telling them. <laughs> Let's be
0: clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: how do we give back to them? And we've found that there's, you know, there's a good chunk of people that want to help do that and do it in a way that's that, that gives them the credit they deserve. I like that. It is a feel good story. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's so- a good story, too, because we do owe our kids a lot. I mean, I look at, from my personal experience, I think my success, my my kid's dad was a career army. His success was very contingent on the success of the family. So if our kids weren't adapting well, if our kids weren't doing well, there's no way he could have had a successful career. So It's a team effort. We just really need, exactly. We just really need to do better by our kids and say, we see you and we recognize you and, and keep it up. We do need you. Well, on that note,
0: Being a finalist in the Wisconsin Governor's Business Plan Contest is a huge deal, big deal. A lot of businesses try year after year to even get into that contest. Uh, But you made it to the phase three, which is incredible. And, um, you know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs want to kind of enter that space. Can you talk to us a little bit about what helped
1: you prepare? And then what did you learn from that experience? I, this past year, I feel like I've been drinking from the proverbial fire hose. I have learned so much, but key to all of that was my network. I, from the very first pitch competition we did, which was the Sheboygan County one, um, I have kept in touch with and asked advice from other entrepreneurs, from other people in my community who have been there and done that. There's so much about this space that I don't know. I've never done a financial projection in my life, but here I am today with like a spreadsheet that sometimes makes me cry. It's (laughs) very complicated stuff and it takes a village. So it it's building your village and being able to rely and count on people and, and, for the vast majority, I mean, I, I'd say in the majority, all a hundred percent of the people I've worked with and met throughout this journey have been willing to help offer advice, resources, expertise. Not all of it is pertinent. Not all of it is where I want to go and, and where my direction is, but all of it has had value and it's given me insight and perspective into an area that I, truthfully, didn't have a year ago. Yeah. So really
0: use those networks, um, connect, take that advice, tuck it away. If you don't need it right now, you'll probably need it later and give back too. And we always have, we have a list today, tomorrow, and someday. And someday. someday. Yes. (laughs) I love that. That someday is important too. You're like, whisper it out there, see what
1: happens. (laughs) Yes. Because you can't, like one of my, one of my mentors is, She's a brilliant entrepreneur herself. And her advice was most startups don't starve. They drown because there's so much out there and there's so much to do. And there's so, you get overwhelmed and you can get overwhelmed quickly. So that someday file is really important because you really have to get kind of a system as to what you realistically do in any given day, week, month, quarter, right? So it's and almost like...
0: Yeah, like prioritizing or essentialism, like this is the key focus and everything else we're going to push off to there. Otherwise, yeah, I like that drowning really makes sense. That resonates with me. Everybody listening, tuck that into your pocket. That is a good piece of advice. Well, speaking of someday, what's next for kids in combat boots? What do you guys hope to have happen maybe in the next year, next five years?
1: So we have a very we're working on more podcast episodes and collecting stories, and we've been very, very fortunate to work with our state teen panel, which is a group of high school aged military kids in the state of Wisconsin. They're brilliant, they're just as civic-minded as everyone else we've run into, and they want to help other kids do do better and navigate this space. So we're working very closely with them this year. And by April, which is month of the military child, so April 2024. We're aiming to have our app live and ready for the masses. We are working with um, University, um, Lakeland University, to help give college admission to to our kids, at least in the state of Wisconsin. At this point, like I said, it's that someday file. We're just we're chipping away. We're doing so. We're trying to stay local first, so we can you know establish something very solid here, and then replicate it outside of Wisconsin and and hopefully military wide. Eventually we're starting our foundation so we can start granting scholarships and grants to our military kids. So that's the, that's the plan. And, and we have a, we realize we bid off a lot that we want to have done by a month of the military child, but we feel it's an important date and a great place to launch these resources for them.
0: Yeah. Those are wonderful ideas. I love that. Well, good luck with that. Keep us updated on how things go. One thing I've been curious about since you've moved so many times and lived so many places, I haven't spent hardly any time in Latin America or South America. What has been your favorite place to
1: live out of all of those regions and why? Surprising to me, my favorite place that I've lived yet was Utah. And now I say that with because each place has given me... Life experience perspective, really good friends. Um, I've tried the most amazing food in the world. I feel I've done a lot of travel. All of that has been wonderful and great. What I remember most fondly about Utah, though, is I was in graduate school at the time. I only had my two girls. We lived situated about halfway between Sundance and like Provo Canyon. So we had the best skiing at, I mean, within 20 minutes, I could be at the top of a slope. And it, winter was just, it was fantastic. And I spent a lot of time with my girls skiing when they were younger. And I i have just good memories of that. And we had a really good neighborhood, good community. It was fabulous. But then, you know, we left for other things. And like I said, I have great friends from Every single place I've ever lived, so I just consider myself fortunate and blessed to have had those experiences. Cool, thanks for
0: sharing that. I uh, I'm a fan of skiing in winter, and we're definitely in the minority. (laughs) I can't say I hear so many people lately lament about the ending of summer, but I I don't know. I love all the seasons, so I'm like, yay, fall, and then yay, winter. It's like ski season now.
1: (laughs) Woohoo! I really struggled. Me and one of my sons really struggled living in Latin America because of the heat. Because it's constant, it's year round. It, it we just we struggled. It was it was tough because I just wanted summer and in winter I just wanted a change. Yep, totally. I love the
0: changes. How can people connect with you and then also um, find out more about Kids in
1: Combat Boots? Yeah, we're on all social media channels and our website is kidsincombatboots.com. So on social media, kids at com, kids in combat boots then kidsincombatboots.com. And if you want to reach out via email, we're info at kidsincombatboots.com. That sounds great. So
0: everybody, you know where that information is. I'll also have it linked in the show notes. Deanne, is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we go?
1: Yes. But if anyone wants to get involved or has, you know, a a desire to help and support our military kids, we welcome partnerships in any way, shape or form. Um, We're excited to partner with a couple businesses in our area, which is fabulous. And we want to do more of that because we want to support our community. We want to stay local when we can. We want to support other veterans when we can. So all of those things are really important to us. So if anybody wants to reach out, it's not just being a military kid, but if you have a desire and a interest in supporting this community, we welcome your, we welcome your input. Excellent. So yeah, please reach out to Deanne and Kids in Combat Boots because
0: every organization always needs additional hands, additional additional insights, and partnerships. On that note, Deanne, thank you for being on the show. As always, thank you for listening to You Betcha She Did. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to share it with a friend, a cousin, a sister, someone down the block. You never know who might need this information. And don't forget to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to You Betcha She Did. Until next time. Attention, you betcha-sheeted listeners. If you're like me, you love listening to podcasts, and perhaps you have even thought of starting your own podcast. If that is the case, I would love for you to download my free Top 10 Podcasting Equipment Essentials. Here you will find my recommendations for 10 pieces of podcasting equipment that will help you get a podcast up and running smoothly without break in the bank. That's right. Podcasting does not have to be a super expensive endeavor. It's actually quite affordable and is a great way to elevate your voice, grow your brand, and get your name out there, especially as an expert. Check the show notes for your free podcast top 10 essential equipment guide. You can also go to podcaststartupguide.com.